Okay, please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Almighty God, through your only Son, you overcame death and opened to us the light of eternity, enlightened our minds and kindled our hearts with the presence of your Spirit, that we may hear your words of comfort and challenge in the reading of the scriptures through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading from today comes from Luke 24, 13 through 35. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The, the one named Cleopas, Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his power, deeds, and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Well, we had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the woman said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interrupted, he, then he interpreted sorry, for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went, into, he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, he, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. The word of God for the people of God. I often say that my experience doesn't have to be your experience, but um, from this morning, um, I annihilated a microphone, um, forgot three slides, and when I uh, went to put the stand away, it separated. Um, and, and now I was wondering if I was gonna have slides at all. This is great. What makes a good story? What makes a good story? It's a great question. Um, we could have a story that tells you how things happen in a small town, but nothing ever changes. That's not a good story. 
What makes a good story? We've been looking and talking about the stories about Jesus's post-Easter resurrection appearances uh, last week and for the next two weeks. We looked last week at the particular story of Mary, Mary Magdalene, who goes to the tomb to prepare the body of Jesus and finds that Jesus has risen. Uh, In that moment, she is sent by Jesus back to the disciples to tell them that he is alive. And Pastor Josh last week made a great example of of all the people that Jesus could send. He sent a woman with no voice and no power uh, to tell a bunch of men uh, that he had risen. And so here, this week, we start looking at how the the plot thickens, how uh, things begin to develop, how even the message that Mary shared didn't make it to all of the disciples. Now, let's talk a little bit about what makes a good story. What makes a good story are four um, C words, which I think I've made an eye chart for you. Um, The four uh, C words are easy. We'll go to the next slide and you can see them. They're context, conflict, climax, and closure. Context is that kind of setting of the stage, letting you know who all the players are, who all the characters are, what's happening. Now, conflict is when things start to to bubble, the the, the pot begins to boil, there is rising action, there is tension in the story, there is something that we're working towards. The climax is that moment when all the tension is released, it is the moment that the hero saves the day, it is the moment that the villain is foiled, it's the moment when the person stuck in the comedy finally gets it right. And closure is what happens. Closure is that what happens to the hero, what happens to the world, what happens to the rest of the story. Now, to illustrate um, I'm, uh, each of these four movements, I'm going to tell a quick joke, um, which might make sense. Um, the beginning of the joke, the context is a gorilla walks into a Starbucks and says to the barista, I want a venti frappuccino. And the gorilla hands the bartender, I mean the, um, the barista, a $10 bill. So that was context. Conflict. The, bartender, the uh, barista thinks to himself, it's really horrible, I should actually rewrite the joke in my manuscript, right? The, the barista thinks to himself, this gorilla doesn't know the prices of drinks, right? He handed a $10 bill to him. And so he says, uh, I'll give him 15 cents of change. Then the barista says, you know, we don't get too many gorillas in here. Now we're getting to the punchline. And the gorilla replies, yeah, well, at $9.85 a drink, I ain't coming back either. (laughs) And that was just the closure. Thank you. (laughs) Do you see that right? The, The climax is the kick of the joke, and then the closure is when we all laugh at it. So thank you for closure. The resurrection appearances have this uh, context as well, this context, conflict, and climax, moving towards the ascension, which is closure. Uh, Like I said in our last episode, our last uh, moment of the story, uh, Mary had been tasked with telling the disciples about Jesus uh, being alive. But meanwhile, and I, I love that word, meanwhile, Right? Meanwhile, it's, you know, in a good spaghetti western, it's that moment where meanwhile, across town, or meanwhile, at the, uh, at the mine, meanwhile, right, something else is happening. And so in the midst of this, something else is happening, we come across uh, two disciples 
Um, we know they're disciples. We know they're disciples, thank you, um, because uh, Luke tells us. Uh, he doesn't tell us their names until a little while longer, but he says these two disciples go walking, walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is really just a seven and a half mile walk. Um, in fact, today, if you go to the Holy Land to go and find Emmaus, you'll find it in the suburbs of Jerusalem, that that's how close it was to Jerusalem in those days. Um, in fact, for some context, um, walking to um, Emmaus is kind of like walking from Dunbar Park up 288 to the Angleton Buckies, right? So this isn't like a huge marathon. It's not a, a multiple day trek. It's really just a seven and a half mile walk, um, which if you drive it takes eight minutes, but if you walk it could take three hours. So these two disciples, these followers of Jesus are heading, not to the Buckies, but to Emmaus, and along the way, along the way they are talking, and they come upon a stranger. Now Luke tells us that this stranger is Jesus, but our two friends are unable, they are prevented from recognizing Jesus. Uh, and this is a theme in Luke and a theme in the story of the walk to Emmaus, that what, what are we able to recognize? Uh, the word uh, used here in the Greek uh, to recognize, um, ep say it for me, <laughs> epignosis. Epignosis, I'm gonna work on my Greek. This is kind of the challenge of having an associate pastor that knows Greek. Um, epignosis, right? This is uh, opening, this is revealing, this is recognizing, right? Everything as you think about how your eyes open and uh, focus and clarify are all kind of wrapped up in this word. But uh, the disciples, the followers are unable to recognize uh, Jesus. We'll find that in the story of how uh, the two talk about the events that happened in Jerusalem, um, that, that, the, um, uh, that the chief priests and elders were unable to recognize uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so uh, they were unable to recognize Jesus, but you and I know about Jesus. So here's a, a rising action, right? This isn't just two guys going for a walk. This is two guys going for a walk with Jesus, asking questions about what happened this weekend, which all the things that happened this weekend were things that Jesus instigated, did, or was a part of. So there's this strange kind of conflict. We want to know when will Cleopas and his friend know that it's Jesus that they're walking with. And so um, Cleopas asks uh, the stranger, um, are, do you know what happened this last weekend? And the stranger says, no, what? And Cleopas says, are you the only stranger who doesn't know all of these things that have happened? And so Cleopas begins to explain. And he does a great job of explaining, right? Even though he doesn't know that he's standing in front of the guy that did all the things that they're explaining to the guy that the guy did. There's a little bit of rising action there too. And so as they're walking to Emmaus, he tells all that he knows. And he gets to the end and he says, but in the end, they crucified him and he died. Along the way, Cleopas also says, the women said he was risen, but when we went to the tomb, we didn't see him. So we think the women are wrong. And about that time, Jesus decides he's done with this charade. And he says, you fools, don't you know the prophets? Don't you know what Moses taught? And so Jesus goes about, still as a stranger, and explains the whole story of what it means and how it uh, goes together and, and how the crucifixion is not an end, but a beginning to the ministry and kingdom of God. Powerful stuff. So as they're walking along, um, Cleopas and his friend get to where they're going. 
And um, Jesus kind of acts like he's going on further because that was the polite thing to do. It's kind of like you don't invite your, yourself over to your friend's house because you have to wait for your friend to invite him over, right? And so, so Clebus and the strangers see that Jesus is heading on and says, oh wait, why don't you stay the night and why don't you have dinner with us? This is a little bit of ancient Near Eastern culture, living in a harsh desert environment. You always extended hospitality to the stranger um, in case the moment happened when you had no water and were, had no shelter and were stuck in the middle of nowhere, someone would extend hospitality to you. And so Jesus comes in, and it, also in ancient Near Eastern culture, if you were invited in as the guest, then most likely you would uh, say the blessing at the table. You would preside in some way. And so Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. Now, these are four important verbs. They're the verbs that we use for communion. They're the verbs that we describe Monday Thursday or the upper room story. They are the same four verbs that Paul the apostle describes what communion contains, right? That he takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. And here's the moment of climax in the story. That in that moment of breaking the bread and giving it, Cleopas and his friend become completely aware of who Jesus is. So starkly and uh, beautifully, they know who Jesus is. Their hearts burn with fire within them, and immediately Jesus is whisked away. Now that might be frustrating, um, but I have to say that most often the high moments of spiritual formation in my life happen in the twinkling of an eye. They happen in a moment in which my heart is set afire, and it is a moment not to live in for the rest of our lives, but to remember and to fuel the next experience as we spend time with Jesus. So what's interesting is Cleopas and his friend, um, you know, it took us 13 verses to get from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You know how quickly uh, Cleopas and uh, his friend get back to Jerusalem to tell, the, to tell the disciples that they'd seen Jesus? Half a verse, right? Half a verse. You might be thinking, hmm, I wonder how fast the preacher can end this sermon. Half a verse, right? Uh, and so they run back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that they had seen the living Christ. I have to imagine that there might have been a little bit of controversy within the group of disciples, right? There were those who saw Jesus in the tomb, Mary and Peter, but there are also those who didn't see. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about Thomas, who gets his nickname, Doubting Thomas, because he wasn't willing to believe. And here, Cleopas and his friend have seen Jesus, have understood that he rose. And it wasn't about whether you were there at the first moment, but it's about whether you were willing to be open to what Christ might do in your heart. It's a powerful story and a powerful moment. Now, I think in this story, it's important to ask some questions. One of my favorite questions about this story is why Emmaus? I mean, Emmaus is, it is a, a nowhere town. I mean, if you could get more nowhere than Nazareth, here we are, right? Emmaus doesn't occur in scripture. It's not uh, part of any of the Old Testament discussions. There's even some discussion about whether Emmaus really is the seven and a half mile Emmaus outside of Jerusalem, or whether it, is, whether it was a good 30 miles outside of Jerusalem. Um, but most scholars agree that it's this Emmaus, this Emmaus that has been covered up by suburbs, this Emmaus who um, you really wonder why in the world and where did Cleopas come from? 
I mean, there's no story of Cleopas, right? Uh, Some scholars want to make Cleopas out to be Cephas, which is Peter's uh, Greek name. But this is not a story about Peter and his friend. This is a story about two disciples, two followers of Jesus. Remember how Pastor Josh talked about what does it mean to be a follower and a disciple? that, That it's more than that 12 historic names of disciples that we have learned from flannel boards in vacation Bible school. So Cephas, uh, so Cleopas and his friend traveling to Emmaus. Why in the world is it so important for Jesus to show up to these two no-name disciples and allow them to have an opportunity for their heart to burn with inside of them? Well, I'll tell you why. I think you and I have both been to Emmaus, probably not the one in the Holy Land, but I gotta be honest, uh, Cleopas and his friend, um, they were frustrated. The, the one they followed for three years, the one who had done so many wonderful things, the one that they thought would kick the Romans out had died on a cross like a common criminal. So they said, oh, let's go to Emmaus. I mean, this is not uncommon as to when, uh, you know, on a day off when there's nothing else to do and I don't wanna have to write my sermon, I go see a matinee movie in the afternoon. Why? Because nobody's there, right? I don't have to be the pastor at that moment. Have you ever had those moments when you just, it's time to go someplace else, it's time to go fishing, it's time to uh, head down to to Pearland and do some shopping, It's it's time to do something else than being who you are because the world is difficult and challenging and it doesn't seem like it's working like it's supposed to. You see, Cleopas and his friend were headed out. They were going to do something else. And you'd think that in the story of the Bible that Jesus would only be appearing to people who are faithful, who are in the right place at the right time, who are doing the right things. I mean, this is rising conflict and action. But instead, Jesus surprises us all. He shows up in the matinee next to us, shows up in the fishing boat with us, shows up there uh, um, as we're shopping, that Jesus doesn't ignore us because we're distracted, doesn't ignore us because we're defeated, doesn't ignore us because we can't find the path or know the right answer all at once. And what we find in the story of Emmaus is that even when we've wandered away, God comes to us, we experience God, and that our hearts might burn within us. I wonder, what is your Emmaus? What is your story? What is your place? Maybe it's not the same thing every time. In fact, now I'm starting to realize I can't go to matinee movies on Friday afternoon because probably some of y'all will be there. Where is your Emmaus? And let's be honest, I'd like to think that all of us have a story, right? Um, As Cleopas and his friend are telling the disciples after the walk to Emmaus, they're they're telling, did not our hearts burn within us? Do you remember what it was like to walk with him? I gotta be honest with you that day in and day out of being Peter uh, is not some amazing spiritual high. But there are peaks and valleys. There are moments and places where I have felt like uh, Jesus has walked right next to me. And it's those moments that fuel the next one. It's those moments that fuel us through the valleys and through the challenges and through the ravines. That, That when we wander off to Emmaus, we are thankful that God will come looking for us, that will explain to us, will uh, take, bless, break, and give us the bread of life. 
I want to encourage you, we've been talking about this series, about telling your story. Much like uh, Bobby and Alex uh, tell their, told their story last week, we asked you to ask somebody what, faith, what role faith has in their life. Um, we didn't say you should go tell people about your faith and how it has a role in your life, but rather ask people what, what is the role that faith has in your life. This week, I want to encourage you to tell somebody about a time that your heart burned inside of you. When was that moment when you felt set afire for purpose, set afire with meaning, that you'd had a holy, sacred moment with God? It could be 20 years ago. It could be yesterday. Or you might imagine that it might be tomorrow when you take a moment to tell somebody about your story. That's that kind of uh, opportunity for homework as you begin thinking about how do you experience Jesus and how do we tell the story to others? What makes a good story? What makes a good story is being able to um, build that rising action and in that moment of beauty, have the climax and closure begin to make sense as we tell the, uh, the message, as we tell the story of how Jesus has become real to us in the post-resurrection. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.